Welcome to the Delling Pod with me, James Delling Pod. And I know I always say I'm excited about this week's guest, but I really am excited. In fact, I've lined him up as a special treat for you because I'm I'm going to be uh, on holiday next week. And I thought, what kind of piece of, what huge chunk of red meat can I feed to my beasts to keep them happy? And I thought, I know. I'm going to find somebody who makes me look like a panty waist milk toast cuck. And that is no! Kurt, Kurt, Kurt Schlichter. Kurt, I, I, I have admired you from afar. We've never spoken before. Um, but you have a, the most excellent column in, in Town Hall, which makes me laugh and makes really sound political points. And I see that you're an incredibly prolific author, published my, by my US publisher, Regnery. Do, do, is Harry Crocker your editor? Harry who's, Crocker who's, is. And, and Harry Crocker uh, started at UC San Diego, University of California, San Diego, where I ended up. So I, I ended up editing the conservative paper he started about four years after he was there. So it's kind of by happenstance, kismet, if you will, that uh, I ended up doing my new book, 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You. My marketing people insist I say the whole name. Hey, no, uh, I love that. Yeah. It was pretty subtle. Yeah, it's, and it's coming out July. It's subtle, yeah, because I'm known for subtlety. They teach that at Fort Benning Infantry School, um, which will probably be renamed uh, Fort Diversity Unicorn pretty soon, but that's another story. Um, no, but, uh, uh, yeah, it comes out on uh, July 7th, and I hope everyone will rush to purchase it. Um, I'm, or not. I'm sure they... <laughs> I'm, no, I'm sure they. I'm sure they. They totally will, and and we'll talk about that in a moment because I'm actually quite interested in what you think about about Donald Trump. But first of all, let's let's kind of establish who you are. Now, you're a lieutenant colonel uh, in the uh, military. No, I was a full colonel. I was a full colonel. A full colonel. A full I was colonel. A, I was a real colonel. Uh, I had the eagle. Right. Not the, uh, I, I had the oak leaf at one time. Then I got the eagle, and then I retired. And so you were. So what does that mean then in American terms? You mean, it means you, you command a regiment? Is it a battalion? Uh, well, uh, I was a battalion commander as a lieutenant colonel. I actually commanded two at once. And then I right. ended up as the deputy commander of a brigade, which was a full colonel's job for a while. Um, and I left before I had my next assignment. Uh, I, after three years uh, of being a full colonel and I was doing the politics stuff, it was pretty much, hey, you've got to seriously consider becoming a general. And it was just absolutely inappropriate for someone as political as me to become a general. It just, it's just, it just shouldn't be done. I'm one of those strange yeah. traditionalists who believes that generals should focus on generaling. And I wasn't willing to do that. I'd served 27 years. I deployed twice. And I thought, OK, well, now it's time to say goodbye to that. Thank you very much. I, I, I can still be called back. My uh, uh, the uh, my battalion commander during the Los Angeles riots, where I was on the streets for three weeks, uh, actually got called back to active duty four times, starting at age fifty-seven. So, uh, do you know? Do you know, Kurt? We may chance. actually, we may actually have seen each other before, um, unbeknownst to one another, because I oh. too was in the Los Angeles riots. I I was obviously looting the stores. No, no, I wasn't. I was, I was wearing was, green. Uh, you were wearing <laughs> green. That okay. guy. I looked like were, a tree with a gun. That was me. You, you, oh, okay, you were protecting me. Maybe you're doing some kind of sniper overwatch. But I was, I was there. <laughs> I was on. Let me tell you my, my LA riot story briefly. I was on holiday uh, with a, with an American friend of mine. We'd just been down to Laguna Beach. Uh, sorry, uh -huh. down from Laguna. Down from he lived in Laguna Beach. We'd gone down on holiday to the Baja, 
And yeah. as we were driving up, we were hearing these news reports breaking of these this civil unrest in L.A. And as we got closer and closer to, to his home, uh, we realized that things were getting shit was getting real. When I got to his house, instead of um, taking my flight home, as I intended to do, I was sent in by the foreign desk of my employer, the Daily Telegraph, to go and cover the L.A. riots. And I was wandering <laughs> on the streets, um, kind of shitting myself. And I encountered this bunch of uh, black, black kids, Latino kids. And I said, what are you doing here? And they said to me, we're the four Trey Crips. And I said, like, what's Fortray? And, and, and they said, they said, Fortray, it's like, it's like 43, man. I said, oh, yeah, Fortray Crips. OK, so you're one of the gangs. They said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they were they were waiting to loot a store. They're waiting for their brothers to come up with the I don't know what they needed. But anyway, I got I, I had a friendly conversation with them. I assume that I got away with it because I'm English and they otherwise they made it. They may have killed me. But. Probably during that time, we may have crossed paths. I may have seen you in your infantry uniform protecting me. Is that is that right? <laughs> uh, that that is possible. My unit was in uh, my unit was in Inglewood, and I drove right. around with the battalion commander. I was a first lieutenant at the time, and I was one of his uh, 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 staff officers. And I, I I went all over the place um, with a uh, M sixteen A one fully automatic rifle, and um, it was uh, it was edgy. It was a little edgy. I, I had just come from Desert Storm. It was edgier than Desert Storm, that's for sure. At least for me. But funnily enough, the guy who, who later joined me, a guy called Charlie Lawrence, who was a veteran, a veteran war correspondent. You know, he'd been in, I don't know, Afghanistan, wherever. And he said that he found civil unrest often scarier and more dangerous than straightforward wars. Because you just don't know where the shit's going to kick off. Is that true? Uh, it, it's absolutely true. Uh, there's no lines. There's no battle lines. You can't be behind the lines. Anything can happen anywhere. And when when law fades away and the veneer of civilization comes off, you know, anything can happen. You don't know. Yeah. Now, I, I think you were lucky being English because Americans are always kind of baffled and a little bit intimidated by people with an English accent. We just assume that yeah. they're smarter and somehow magical, kind of like yeah. uh, uh, they, they, a leprechaun, but wrong island. Um, yeah. So uh, Americans just kind of like puzzled. I, uh, boy, I, I sometimes wish I were English because I could really dine out on that for a while. You get you get a little social leverage going. Um <laughs> Where where I've lived overseas, I, I never had that. Never had that. I mean, I lived in the Balkans. I lived in Germany. I was in the Middle East, uh, and it was always uh, uh, here. Are the Americans, let's uh, let's see what we can get over on them. So we're kind of that's kind true. Of world that, suckers. Yes, that is really and, true. I, I and Americans get so get a real nice deal too. Yeah, we're we're at you know you have the whole thing about the ugly American, but the ugly American's not nasty. He's just American, well, you know, crude, yeah. loud, uh, unrefined, unrepentant, uh, you know, believes in things like Jesus and guns and the flag, all the things that are tacky and that you don't really want to yeah. say out loud because they're mildly embarrassing. And of course, we're all born without a shame gene. And uh, that's and of course, I, any any rudimentary shame gland that I had was removed during law school. So uh but it was interesting, it, you know, I, I mean, you know, we, we laugh about stereotypes of nationalities, but they're absolutely true. I worked with about 37 different nationalities in Kosovo 
and every country was exactly like you would expect. The French were exactly like you would expect the French. The Finns were exactly like the Finns. The Poles were exactly like the Poles. And, of course, the United Nations was the United Nations. Here, here's how bad the United Nations is. At one point, we had a smuggling problem, and they were going to put a U.N. officer in charge of a border crossing, right, to, to stop smuggling. Mm -hmm. So they were wrapped up for weeks trying to decide whether they're going to put the German or the Nigerian in there. And they went with the <laughs> Nigerian because, I, because it's the... Because it's the UN. So. Mm, of course. And if you had to say you were say you were at a sort of a Bastogne type scenario and you had to have one nationality holding the line next to you, which would you choose? Who are the best fighting fighting troops you've served with? Uh, besides Americans, uh, definitely the Brits. Australians, oh, too. Yes. But we, we consider we can we consider them uh, tanned Brits. Um, yeah. 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 Um, no, de definitely British. I mean, yeah, I was so proud a, a, a couple weeks ago. My kid comes up and goes, can we watch Zulu tonight? And I was just like, oh, it's oh so classic. yeah. I'm, so I'm whist I mean, like whistling Men of Harlech. And, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, there's just there's just something about the British military tradition um, that uh, it, it's it's just stunning. And yeah. uh, a, a big fan, big big fan. Yeah, yeah. No, well, I'm I'm glad that that movie translates across across the pond because I I thought it was just a an English thing. Oh, we are reared on that film, you know, because oh. we're here, lad. Because we're here, you know. The the, the the everything about it, even Michael Caine, he's not oh. really a toff, but he but it's one of his best roles. It's well, of course, of course, he, he, about he, he was a veteran of Korea. So this guy had been, uh, he was, been in the infantry he was. in Korea, and he comes in as this uh, lieutenant, and, and there's a lot of class stuff at play that unless you know a little about the English, you don't really get, but yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, it's just an amazing thing, and it is, and you know, it, it, it's very, I, I hate to say the word progressive, because progressive doesn't mean progressive anymore, but it's mm. one of those movies that treats the, you know, indigenous enemy with, with absolute respect. And anybody who, uh, you know, anyone who uh, uh, looks down on the Zulu warriors ends up looking like a fool. I mean, the, the, yeah. these guys are tough and brave and unbelievably capable. And, um, you know, I, I, it, it's just a very, it's a, it's a movie for warriors by warriors. Uh, and, yeah. and, of course, at the time, the English were a warrior people. I, I, I'm not sure they are now to the same extent. As collectively, I know that that still exists there. M much as Have it still exists seen? in America, but uh, what's happened recently? I think I think up until this year, I think if you'd asked me, did the Blitz spirit still exist in in Britain, and would we be capable of taking on another Hitler? I'd have said hell yes, or, or something sim similar in, in an English way. Um, but. We're a bunch of bedwetters. We COVID nineteen. I, I I call them COVID bedwetters, and it's amazing <sighs> how many people me crazy. have have succumbed to this Doctor Fauci, um, WHO led fantasy that this is this is the worst thing since the Black Death, and that only when this <laughs> vaccine, only when the vaccine appears, that the vaccine produced by Big Pharma, only then can we. 
can we resume normal life? And people have bought into this nonsense. It's amazing. I, I find it staggering. Now, look, I, 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 I believe that there, there's a, a particularly virulent strain of, of the flu out there. And certain people, my, my father has a kidney transplant. So, of course, he's very vulnerable to uh, stuff with his immune system. And I believe that you should be reasonable about things. I, I, I've stopped coughing in people's face and allowing them to cough in mine. You know, that's, mm. you know, taking, taking that different tangent from my usual practice. But I, it, it always, it, I find it bizarre that people uh, actually look on this as something that you should spend time thinking about. And, I mean, there, I'll have people come and start quoting statistics to me about it. I'm like, why do you care? We're, we're, most of us are going to get it. Eventually, there'll be a vaccine, or there won't. But it, it's just a thing that's happening. Why are you obsessing? It's a bad, bad cold. Okay, I mean, yeah. I, I prefer not to have it, but you know, you're going to survive. I'll put money on that. You know? Yeah. Uh, have you had? Have you had it yet? No, I don't you, know no. anyone personally who has. I know a few people who tell me that they have close relatives who have. And again, I'm not denying it exists. It's just not sweeping the nation, you know, in the in the way that people say it is. You know, if you say 10,000 people got it yesterday, well, that's not even the rounding error of a rounding error on 335 million people. Yeah, I had it. It's like oh. a, it's like a bad cold. And, and okay. I, I, I work. I carried on working through it. And, and, and as I work, you know, I, I had stuff to do. You know, I had I had assignments I had. I had to go up to a debate at my kids' university in the north, Durham University in the north of England, uh, and I'm, I'm sure I was peak infectious, so I must have been a super spreader. I reckon I infected the entire student population. But I mean, well, that's apart a start. From being un- yeah, apart from being unpleasant, I remember thinking, why am I finding it so hard to write my articles? You know, I, it, it took me twice as long. But that was it. It wasn't I didn't have to take to my bed. And yeah, it's a lot of I mean, obviously, if you die of it, you know, if you're if you've got if you've got um, underlying health conditions, etc. But otherwise, nah, not worth yeah. destroying the global economy for. I, I, I just look only in a, a civilization as prosperous and until recently as free as ours, can we afford this kind of frivolous nonsense? I really think that a lot of people are excited about it because it gives them meaning. It gives them a meaning. They don't have church. They certainly, they, they, they don't even have culture to any real sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have nothing to fall back on, but human beings need something. And, you know, this, this is excitement. It fills up their empty lives. It, it's, it's actually kind of pathetic. It's funny that doesn't that, that uh, it's not funny. It's, it, I was just observing that. That is that is why you are so good. It's not just that your 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 writing is very very funny, but actually you understand. I think as few commentators do the shit that's going down right now. I, I think you're absolutely right. It is. I've noticed this that a lot of people love brandishing their their sick relatives as the reason why they have to take lockdown seriously and why covid-19 is really serious it's not like anything else because they've got they've got a relative with an underlying health condition and what this shows is victim status that they yeah. they are they are they're special and what it also shows is they are caring 
They are prepared to put the whole of the economy on hold to save their beloved relative. Like you and I, we don't give a shit about our our, our, our mums and dads and cousins and you know. <laughs> oh, but dad's they do. Navy. He'll he'll handle it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. No. That's you're you're right. Like. And it, it, it's look. I I I'm not doing anything foolish, but I'm. Uh, uh, I, I remember my dad was like, oh, come on in. Come in the house. We're not going to do this stand 10 feet away from each other nonsense. Okay. Yeah. And, and I think I think there's a lot of that, but it's it's kind of the frivolous uh, uh, upper middle class kind of thing. Uh, the same mm-hmm. people who carry copies of White Fragility into uh, Starbucks cover out so everyone knows they're reading yeah. it and they're very, very sorry. Um, yeah. It's, it, it, it's, you know, it, there's so much pot... There's so much posturing and virtue signaling because I, I think because there's no real way to, to actually not signal virtue, uh, signal virtue, but to actually practice it uh, at real virtue. Um, God, it's just I, 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 I'm beginning I hate to say it, but I'm beginning to think Western civilization is on the verge of exhaustion. All of our institutions, I, I look at them and it's, this was coming. Part of this whole thing that's happening now, this whole social uh, pseudo-rebellion, is uh, a result of the terror of the current establishment that it's going to lose power because it knows its institutions are failing. Academia is failing. It is, besides everyone realizes it's not providing an education, it's massively overpriced, Uh, it is being subsidized. Uh, I think over in England too, but in the United States to a massive degree on the back, on the backs of people, you know, who are, who are forced to take out, who who forced to take out loans and get nothing in return. You know, if you need a bachelor's to uh, sling coffee, that's a problem. And when, when you, your, your degree is collectivist marketing, you know, it's not like any, anybody can find a use for it. Um, Mm. And they come out, God, just, there, there's no rigor to their thought. I, I hire young lawyers, so, of course, they've got a three-year graduate degree. And it, it's so hard for me to, because I'm a litigator, it's so hard for me to get them in the mode of arguing. They, they don't want to argue. They don't want to take a stand and argue that. It, 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 because they, they've never really been challenged to write anything where they have to take a position, they're afraid to take a position because it might be the wrong one. And it's, right. I think it's stifling this. But but that that's just, you know, academia is just one institution. Media is changing. Uh, and a lot of these are economic and technical uh, ta- uh, technological factors. Same with Hollywood. Uh, what used to cost you $100,000 uh, uh, for a camera, now I can do uh, uh, comparably as well with this. And yeah. everybody's got access. The, the whole thing, they, the technology is falling apart, or the technology that allowed them to create the institutions is falling apart and opening up access. They're losing it that way, but they're also losing it intellectually and spiritually. They, they, they you, you know, I, I have Netflix. There's a thousand things to watch, and almost none of them have anything to say. It's, yeah. I, I, one of my many jobs is as a, a TV critic, and I have pretty much given up watching anything produced in the English-speaking world because it is all so completely cucked 
uh, not to put oh, yes. too fine a point upon it. You know, yes. diversity, tick box casting, um, just a sort of woke, a, a sort of subtle or not so subtle woke agenda. So you've got to go to places like Israel. Have you seen Fowder? Fowder yeah, is I have, fantastic. I have. Fowder is. It, it, it is. I, I, I watched uh, most of the first season, probably will watch the rest. It is a, a, a very tough show that doesn't compromise about the human condition and doesn't fall into cliches. And boy, I, I am so tired of the whole woke thing. Everything is about some petty oppression. Or not so petty oppression. But it, it's, I mean, there's more to life than oppression. And, it, and, yes. and there's certainly nothing about political oppression. There is no one, you know, there, there, there's no show that rewards somebody for standing alone. That's why I look at these giant protests against, you know, the, the, the police killing uh, this George Floyd guy, whose name you never hear anymore. Okay. Yes, and you're right. I looked at that as a, as a lawyer. I'm like, okay, that's improper use of force. Uh, whether it's manslaughter or murder, those are good, quite, but, but it, it's definitely bad. Okay. Who are you protesting against? Who is the guy out there going, no, I, I, I think that was pretty cool. That was a really good thing that happened and we should do more. Who is that person of any kind of power or authority? This isn't a protest. This is a massive collection of people high-fiving one another. It's an orgy of acclamation. They're just simply uh, going and reassuring themselves that, yeah, we're right. Well, how do you protest when nobody disagrees with you? Yeah, yeah. Just going back a second, you, when you're recruiting your 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 young litigators from, from and presumably they've all got really good degrees from what? Harvard Law School and things. Oh and God, Yale no! I never hire. Right? I never hire a Harvard. <laughs> no, <laughs> okay. I, I I like more street. I I like the second tier schools. They're hungrier. Right. You go to That's Harvard. That's interesting. Yeah. The the fact is, when you get your admission letter to Harvard, you're done. The the school is an afterthought, and you're. It's not a particular. I mean, I, I I'm I'm told it's a particularly good school, but I don't particularly believe it. I think you have people who have very good grades. Uh, many of them high IQs. There are a lot of smart people at Harvard, not very, not very many wise ones. Uh, my, mm -hmm. my client, Ben Shapiro, went to Harvard. I defended him in a libel suit uh, against Clockboy, if you remember him. Uh, but, um, yeah, he was, was the guy who brought, boy, me. Yeah, he brought the uh, uh, oh! what looked like an explosive to school. And he was this yeah. Arab kid. And uh, the yeah. school said, holy crap, you know, that looks like an explosive. No, it's a clock. Okay, yeah. I, I and and you know, it, it, you know, I got yeah. I, Obama sending him tweets about, hey man, I love how you love science. How could these knuckleheads back in Texas think that something looks like an explosive might be an explosive? What a bunch of idiots! And of course, every once yeah. in a while, some uh, weirdo shooting up a school. Uh, so we're, we're 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 supposed to pretend that that's not something that could ever happen. And it was, and, and he, he he ended up suing Ben Shapiro when Ben Shapiro called it a hoax, and uh, that was thrown out, and he ditched owing thousands of dollars to uh, uh, Shapiro and other people. If I had to venture a criticism of, of your wonderful country, it does seem to be run by lawyers. I mean, it's very litigious, isn't it? It always has been. Uh, most of the founding fathers, by the way, happy Fourth of July. Thank you guys. Oh, for, yes. Uh, uh, yes. Not, not fighting quite as, yeah, not, not fighting quite as well as you usually did. I mean, 
we're the, we're the rare colonists who uh, actually got away by shooting as opposed to, you know, you guys just saying, okay, okay. bye, India, you're on your own. Um, no, you forget, Kurt, you are you were also us. We were also the Minutemen as well as as well as the actual Redcoats. I mean, <laughs> well, I, you're, you're, that is true. You are true. you are our children. I, I feel uh, proud. Uh, uh, I feel proud. Well, I I, I, I embrace my uh, uh, transatlantic heritage at least as far as the British Isles. Once you get a little farther, eh, there's a reason there hasn't been a Schlichter living in Germany in 250 years, except when I was in Stuttgart uh, uh, for two years, uh, uh, holding back the Russians. Which reminds me, you know, as a literal veteran of the Cold War. I love it when some little goateed weasel who can't do a push-up starts telling me that I'm siding with the Russians. When I I, I was literally, my orders were die in place. So that's always fun. You were ready uh, to have those yeah. tanks run over you. Uh, yeah. on, on I, 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 I would take one or two down before they got before the T-72s yeah, got yeah. to me. But uh, in any case, uh, back Dawn. to lawyers. Uh, yes, Red Dawn's always good. Um, uh, a, a very American movie. Um about lawyers, yeah, a, a lot of the guys were lawyers. And a lawyer, uh, at least in the United States, I, I know you guys have solicitors and barristers, and I don't know what the hell they all do, yeah. but uh, a law degree is a great way to do pretty much anything. It is really a way of thinking, if you let it be. Uh, and used correctly, it can be useful. Uh, used, it, it does have weaknesses, um, but uh, uh, yes, there are a lot of lawyers and there are a lot of laws. And Americans are a very, you know, we're, be, I, I think it comes from the fact that, you know, as a republic, we believe that our laws are things that we've agreed to. So we follow them. You know, you, you go to some countries, you know, I, I, I worked with Albanians in Kosovo. Okay. Law, screw that. That was imposed by those foreigners. I don't care if it's the Turks and the Germans, whoever. We're not. There's no more obligation to follow it. But uh, there's a stop sign out in front of my house at 3 a.m. If a car comes by, it will stop at that stop sign, and then it will go, even though there's not another car in five miles, because we just sort of assume that it's legitimate, because we assume that our government's legitimate, because we had a say in it, and that's to some extent that's falling apart. And I don't think uh, the folks who uh, think that. Uh, um, a, a system of laws uh, that provides obstacles to their power is a good thing. I, I don't think they've uh, lived in a place that doesn't have that. And I'm not sure they would like it because I'm not sure that they're the kind of people who prosper in a, uh, a, a strength over rule of law kind of scenario. Let's talk about the rule of law because I'm getting a bit worried about this. For example, what do you think that President Trump should have done about um, Seattle, about that independent, autonomous, left-wing, lunatic state that declared itself in the middle of the city? I think he should have done what he did. Because, uh, understand, there's two, the, the president has two kinds of power, uh, kinetic and information power. And that's how I analyze battles. A kinetic fight is one where you, you know, shoot people. And you either kill them or scare them to run away. That's, that, that's a kinetic fight. And that's what the infantry does. An information fight is one where you make other people do things by changing their perceptions, uh, uh, intimidating them in this case. This was always an information battle. The number of people involved, again, rounding error of a rounding error. And it always surrounds a very specific place. A very small place, this six blocks in Seattle. I will today. I will go for a walk, and I will walk 
uh, uh, 40 times as big as that place. It is very small. Again, a rounding error of a rounding error, but it's a place all the cameras can look at, giving a false impression to the American people of chaos. Um, the American system is a federalist system. The president has no police power over that wow. area. That is a state responsibility, a municipality responsibility. There's no national police force. I, I, think, I think the British police force is more national. But we have, you know, it's run by, our police forces are run locally. And yeah. all these events happened in localities where you had a local government that was sympathetic, uh, that controlled the police force and held them back, and uh, local district attorneys, because uh, uh, crimes are charged locally for the most part, uh, state mm -hmm. crimes, federal crimes are different. That's that's one aspect of power that Trump has and he's exercising. Uh, but uh, 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 the D.A. will release people just won't charge. They have the discretion not to charge and they don't do it. So these these incidents happen in small, confined areas where they have top cover from uh, sympathetic politicians in the criminal uh, and, and the criminal justice system. So they know they're not going to get arrested uh, or not seriously arrested. And it's all easily uh easy for the, the the media to see so i think donald trump understood that he could have sent the 82nd airborne division in to clear them out and then yeah. we would have risked a bloodbath which would be an information disaster uh it's also hard to send the federal forces in when the local forces aren't going to help i mean you know where do, where do you get food well now you got to send in an herb battalion to feed them it, it, you know 50 500 guys becomes 5,000 guys and you have basically an invasion force. Uh, one thing that the president does do, and they are doing, is there are certain federal crimes. Federal crimes uh, involve either federal, uh, generally involve either federal property, uh, uh, certain civil rights violations, or actions that involve crossing of state lines. That includes using means of communication that cross state lines. Uh, why it's called wire crimes, uh, but, but but still works, and. You know, a lot of these jerks come from different states. So if you have somebody firebombing a local liquor store, well, that's normally a state crime. If he drives into Washington from nearby Oregon, now he's crossed the state line. Now it's a federal crime. It's five years. And the United States attorney is not controlled by the, the, the local politicians. And suddenly, you know, you have a different scenario. But remember, there's three, guy, three kinds of people involved in these riots. Hardcore communist cadre, okay? These are the trainers. They're not going to actually do the violence. They're going to teach people how to do it, and they're going to lead it and organize it and uh, uh, support it. They do logistics, too, which yeah. is hugely important. Uh, I mean, these guys have a, a very intricate logistics system. Second thing is regular criminals, the meth addicts, the guys who would, uh, uh, you know, they, they, would, they would join, uh, you know, if a, somebody won a football game, they would go join it. Hooligans and bums. They're, they're there for the excitement. Then you have the young people who are having their own excitement. And they're thinking in September, I'm going back to college, assuming college is reopened. Um, those are the ones who are vulnerable. When a federal, uh, you know, a, a, a federal uh, uh, United States attorney sits down and says, you're looking at five years in jail. You're not going back to Harvard. You're going to federal prison. Suddenly the, you know, $800 an hour uh, lawyer that daddy uh, hired says, uh, young Caden will be happy to cooperate, at which point we smile. And, you know, while we haven't won in Afghanistan and, and we're still battling in Iraq, one thing that we do know how to do very, very well is map terrorist networks. 
So the, the Antifa network is going to get mapped. It's going to be helped by guys rolling over on their friends because it, it's a lot of fun when the cops put you in the paddy wagon, take you to the station, fingerprint you, and release you. And then you go home and you know, your girlfriend's impressed and you have some sex. And it's, it's really cool because you're you know, that brave freedom fighter. It ain't so fun when the, the door slams shut at Leavenworth Prison, you know, federal yeah, yeah. penitentiary. Um, so I think uh, they are charging a lot of these guys where federal crimes are involved. And I think uh, uh, I, I think that they're going to have a lot of cooperation. And I think we're going to see these uh, networks mapped out and exposed in a way that's going to surprise a lot of people who thought these were spontaneous undertakings, which they are not. They have all the hallmarks of uh, planning and preparation. This is insurgency 101. And you also notice that they're not killing people. Um, like in L.A., L.A. riots. And, and that, that was a good use of military force. They're killing people left and right. You send them in. Uh, here they're not killing people because that's not the information message they want to send today. Uh, they are making some tactical right. errors. Uh, they're moving, sometimes they're going out to the suburbs. And, you know, you, you can be a woke, whiny wine mom uh, out in the suburbs all you want. But those those guys start showing up in your neighborhood. Suddenly you want the cops to get some stick time going. Mm. And the suburban cops will. Interesting. I find all that very heartening. And, it, and thanks for that analysis, by the way, which is very interesting. Um, but Antifa's been with us for a very long time. The Black, black Bloc's been around for a long time. Yes. Why has it taken? Well, it hasn't happened yet. Why? Why has nothing been done till now? Uh, they weren't considered a real threat. Certainly the federal government under Obama is not going to prosecute those guys. Yeah, of course not. Um, but they've, the, the problem with insurgents, the strength of insurgents is decentralization and concealment. If I'm a counterinsurgent in a regular fight, I want them to come out because I've got fire superiority. I'm going to hit them with everything I've got. I'm going to hit them indirect fire, direct fire, air power. I'm going to kill them all. Look at the Tet Offensive in Vietnam in 1968. The Viet Cong had been fighting the Americans pretty fairly effectively, but they hadn't really taken territory. Then one holiday, they suddenly attacked and held ground. Well, the problem when you hold ground against somebody who's superior is they know where you are. We killed tens of thousands of those communist bastards. The Viet Cong was never a significant military threat after that. Uh, yeah. But we lost the information battle. It was portrayed as a the, the fact that the enemy fought was portrayed as a defeat rather than what it really was, which is a, a kinetic defeat. So, uh, but, but that's what's happening here. Now they're out. Now we see them, and that's always a risk. You you have to come out to move to the next step of insurgency, which is controlling territory, which they, I think, foolishly did. I think Trump was absolutely correct to let them play that out and let us see what happens. So what? We got two dead people, many others shot, raped, hurt, abused, uh, property destroyed and damaged. And it's all there. And Trump and all the conservatives are going, that is the country under, you know, senile Joe Biden and really under the handlers because he's not going to be president. That, if he gets that's elected. my next question. That's my next question. I mean, how how close are we? How dangerous is the possibility? Well, how likely is the possibility we're going to get President Joe Biden? Um, I, if I had to choose which side to be, I would choose Trump. I think he has, yeah. uh, I think the for correlation of forces is in his favor in a number of ways. 
That being said, look, the United States is has a two-party system, uh, and it's always going to be nearly 50-50. You, you know, the strategy is always 50 plus one, really. You know, I mean, the libertarians and greens don't count. But you, you're, you're going to cut it very close. It's always going to be a close election. The, the, the outliers, like 1964, that's, that's very, very rare. Um, so, yes, Joe Biden can win simply because he's going to be the Democrat nominee. I, 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 we, there's lots of polling saying Trump is very far behind. I think we have the, uh, uh, you know, you have the shy Tories. We have the shy patriots. If some idiot calls me up, well, first of all, I'd hang up. But a lot of people, if they call up and say, do you like Donald Trump in this environment? You could tell a total stranger like Donald Trump. Do you want to invite that aggravation into your life? A lot of people don't. Um, there is, uh, among the Trump supporters, uh, there is a lot of expectation that we will win. I think, I think Trump's organization has some problems in some key states. These are logistical issues. I understand from my contacts with people close to it that uh, the president's aware of them. He's shifting around some personnel and making some moves. Frankly, I'm not going to be uh, truly paranoid until probably mid-September. You know, we say the campaign doesn't start till Labor Day, which is the first week of uh, September. Uh, and the election, of course, is uh, November 3rd. Uh, that's when people start paying attention. I think. And, you know, at the end of the day, I, I look back at a lot of elections and say, well, of course that's what happened. And I can yeah, see looking back at Joe Biden losing and the guy is manifestly in decline. I mean, it's just, mm. it, it, I mean, he's, the guy's getting senile. It's just, I, I, and that's, you know, I'm not joking. That's, that's objective. And I can just see, well, of course, America didn't elect a guy who was manifestly senile and who seemed to have the, uh, you know, be the be on the side of the chaos. Of course not. But we, we can't take that chance. Um, I, I think the polls, like I said, I think there's a, a shy patriot uh, uh, component. Uh, I also think the mainstream media and I, 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 you know, five years ago, it would have been a tinfoil hat thing. Now it's manifestly obvious. I think the I, I think a lot of the polls are intentionally faked to demoralize the Trump people. I, I just, I just think, I just, I just don't believe them. Uh, today, uh, uh, for the 4th of July, the president went out to Mount Rushmore where we have statues of president, you know, carved him out and then he gave a very fiery speech and all the media, the headlines, ABC news, Washington post, New York times, Trump launches a divisive racist, uh, uh campaign in, in South Dakota. Yeah. It's like they sent out a memo. They've given up objectivity, which, again, the right. death of our, go back to the death of our institutions, uh, that one being, you know, death by suicide. Yes, that, that ship sailed long ago, the, 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 the ship of, of, of fairness, that, that Trump is, is fighting against an entire system which is dedicated to destroying Donald Trump. Isn't he? I mean, yes. the media, academe, um, even the even the military. Isn't that? Am I not right in thinking that the senior military is now pretty emasculated? Yes. And well, correct? yeah, a lot. Of, a lot of people thought that the military was conservative, but what they they didn't understand is they're not conservative of politics; they're conservative of temperament. They want to preserve what they have. That kind of conservative. They are, remember, these are government employees who are used to top-down command uh, lifestyles. 
you know, I, I was both active and reserve and us reservists had a different perspective. You know, I've gone out and started a business and I would deal with uh, uh, active duty, you know, peers, other colonels, and yeah. they would want a very, a very centralized, regimented, you know, plan. And I'm like, well, why don't we just let the guys take care of it? You know, hey, give this area to that platoon or th that company, let the company commander handle it. And they'd look at me like I was crazy. But that's what I do. I give a case to a young lawyer, let him handle it. He comes to me if he needs mentoring or guidance or something. But, it, you know, it was just, these guys live, and it, 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 I don't know if it's a little too cute by half to say it, but they really live in a socialist environment. They live in an environment where you're not focused on your individual conception of liberty, which is what we are out here. I'm doing what I want to do. You're doing what you want to do. But a uh, top-down driven objective to which you're expected yeah. to sacrifice. That's, that's fine for the military. You know, 5,000 years of military tradition, that's how militaries work. But when you put that in a society, you know, you get, uh, you, you get guys named Fritz uh, walking around in jackboots and Hugo Boss. Yeah, because some of, some of Trump's military appointments have not been as sound in the, in the conservative sense as no. I might have hoped for. No, he, remember, he went into office without a Rolodex, if Rolodexes still exist. If, you had, if, if Jeb Bush had been elected, God help us, he would have had five, 10,000 people with administration experience, and he would have filled all those yeah. slots immediately with people with experience. Um, well, at least experience eight years before. Trump didn't have that. Trump had to rely on people, so he gets a guy like McMaster, who was a fine tactical general. Uh, fine, you know, he was a, a famous, uh, 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 he, he, he commanded a famous battle in uh, Desert Storm, 73 Easting. Uh, he, he was known as a, uh, a visionary in the military, but he wasn't a conservative politician, which is what you need. And this is a guy who didn't understand why it was, what, you know, Trump, Trump's natural thing. Trump, Trump is, uh, uh, you know, He's a pub philosopher. He has pub philosophy or bar philosophy. Uh, he he can explain. He, he he's like a guy named Lou who's drinking Budweiser down at the uh, uh, the corner saloon. He, he, you know, you, you ask him, hey, should we be in Afghanistan? Well, man, we've been there twenty years. Are we go win this or what? My my, my friend uh, Ed's uh, kid got shot in the leg there five years ago. If we ain't going to win, we ought to leave. That and and. You know, and then you, you, you turn yeah. around to somebody in the foreign policy and say, well, you know, the correlation of forces, it's important that we leverage all the elements of power. You know, the kind of bullshit that I learned at the Army War College. And he's got yeah. a long explanation. At the end of it, Lou's like, are we going to win this thing or not? If we're not, let's get the hell out. Very simple, very direct. He, he, you know, he worked with hard hats. He worked with guys who put up buildings for a living. And there's a kind of hard reality to that world. Where, yeah. you know, you, you know, if you're doing a, if you're writing gender studies, it literally doesn't matter what you say or do. If you are trying to erect a skyscraper and you screw it up, you have a skyscraper that falls down. <laughs> and it, it, so that, that's kind of where Trump comes from. But all these guys, you know, these generals, like they sent me, you know, I went to war college. It's charm school. It's designed to make sure that we're not going to drag our knuckles at a cocktail party, okay, and, and scandalize anybody. Here's how 
essentially unserious our military has become at the senior level. Uh, another guy who's associated with the War College said, you know, we're doing this exercise and it's a pretty normal exercise. Get a bunch of colonels together, say, OK, day one, I want you guys to uh, uh, brief us on what you consider America's greatest strategic threat. Day two, brief us on your proposed strategy to address it. Basic War College 101 kind of stuff. 50% of these groups of colonels, a colonel generally will command up to 5,000 people. So it's so it's fairly big deal. 50% uh, mm -hmm. of these groups came in and said America's number one strategic threat is the weather. Climate change. Climate change. No, they didn't. They, didn't. they did. It, it, it is a, we have right now at the senior level an essentially unserious military. And it's just like, what are you talking about? You know, I don't know, China, maybe China. I guess you could argue terrorism. You could argue communist infiltration into our society. That's that's more important than the weather in 2023. Uh, by the way, uh, on climate change, which I, I always call it the climate hoax because it's so manifestly stupid and it's a substitute for religion, again, for stupid people. Um, I think the pandemic, the failure of science uh, in the pandemic where everything we're told within a couple weeks always seems to be wrong. People notice that. Yeah. And I think the next time they say, yeah, I want you to give up your lifestyle and a lot of money uh, because we know it's going to be a half degree hotter in 100 years. I think a lot of people are going to go, yeah, I don't think so. We're not, I don't think we're doing that. That's just, no, no. You know, I, I may hate science, but I should hate science because science has been lying to me. And of course, Science is yet another institution that's corrupted and falling, falling apart. Uh, when, when they went out and said, you know, you, you can't go to church and sing because you're going to kill everybody if you do with the pan, uh, pangolin pandemic. And then they say, yeah. but you can go out in huge groups uh, and march in the streets together for, you know, yeah. George Floyd or, or Pride or what have you, yeah, destroy a statue, that you could totally do. Normal people, now reason doesn't work on the, on the, on the hard left, and I, I wrote a column why you shouldn't even bother because it just wastes your time. But reason does work on guys like Lou down at the bar, and eventually he gets sick of being lied to. Mm, yeah. Which accounts for Tell time. me about, tell me about, the Fredo, what people you call the Fredo-Con, what are they? The Fredo-Cons. Fredo is the uh, inept, uh, bumbling brother in uh, The Godfather. Uh, cool. uh, you know, you have Michael who gets inherits the organization, uh, and then you have Fredo who goes and picks people up at the airport. And uh, Fredo's inept and dumb and doesn't think he is and is angry at everyone else he, who does. And those are, you know, the Fredocons are the American conservatives. Uh, and I bet you have your own version over uh, across the pond. The American, yeah, the, the American conservatives who, uh, you know, have, have not been conserving anything for the last 20 years. I, I like to confront them with, okay, tell me about your pre-Trump most recent, most important conservative victory. And they get furious furious now these are guys who live in a world of think tanks you know the eagle forum for liberty and families coalition you know the founding fathers madison society of you know it's just 
It's like, my God, can't one of you guys do a fucking push-up? Excuse my language. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. They are, they're, yeah, they're deadly serious people who are essentially unserious. They've never done anything. I think that's one of the problems with a lot of uh, new journalists today, all of whom seem to be 23 and have done nothing but go to college and written for a website. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm not going to toot my own horn. I'm 55. I'm writing columns, but I've run a business and I've had a family and I've been an army officer and I was a stand up comic for a while. And, you know, I write books. I mean, I've, I've done a few things. I've lived overseas. I've seen things and done things. So I have a little background and it's always fun to be lectured by some 26 year old, you know, about how I don't know anything. And I'm like, you yeah. still live with your mother. I was thinking, actually, about... I, I've forgotten about that you were a stand-up comic. I, I was thinking I would probably rather be in combat than face an audience, a live stand-up audience. No? That, that, I mean, is, that is the most British thing anyone ever said. Again, you guys still have your shame gene. We don't. Uh, you guys are very... I, I mean, I, I, love, I love the Brits, but... It, I'm always baffled why you guys care. You guys are always, and that's why that's why British humor is so funny. Like you know, Faulty Towers or or whatever. It's always, you know, just this more. You, you guys understand. You have this as a culture. You have this mortifying fear of making a social error, and it's very true. And yeah. you you know, I I think you guys. Uh, do well when you have somebody who bulldogs his way through it like a Churchill. Uh, I don't know if my analysis is right. I kind of think it is about uh, Boris. Uh, but when you get somebody like a like a Cameron who seems very, very afraid, or May, who seems very, very afraid of having people think badly of her, then then she mm -hmm. starts, they, they instead of leading, she starts adopting the local consensus, which is inevitably wrong. And... Okay. Uh, you know, I, I, I Donald Trump does not get Donald Trump is such a good emblem of the kind of Americans who vote for him because he doesn't give a damn. I mean, he just doesn't ah. care. And of course, that is one of the things that really rubs these guys the wrong way. Remember, Trump was very popular in the establishment. He gave money. He was glamorous. He always had beautiful women with him. It was fun to fly on his planes. He, they loved him until mm. he took power, he started reaching for power and let them know that, oh, I'm not impressed by you guys in the establishment. You, you guys have done a terrible job and no one's ever said that to them. And he mm. just doesn't respect them. He just doesn't, he doesn't, and he doesn't care what they think. And that's, that's the yeah. greatest crime of all. You don't recognize our, 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 our moral and intellectual superiority. He thinks, no, you're idiots and you're bad at your job and you suck. And he, and they're like, how can you say that? It's like, what's well, obvious? Yeah, yeah. He, he's yeah. You're. He, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You're 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 a Trump fan. Um, I'm a Trump fan. Uh, but you try being a Trump fan in the UK. He gets such a bad press here, even from the conservative media. But speaking as a Trump fan, which, he hasn't been quite as. He's best when he's being Donald Trump, and quite often he's been held back from being Donald Trump. Do you not find? I mean, he's, his fa family, for example, they're a bunch of pinkos, aren't they? I mean, a bunch of liberals. Well, well that, that's, he, that's he what... He's too much store by their opinion. 
You know, that's that's what that, that's what they say. And I'm not really sure exactly what goes on in the dynamic. I do think that Donald Trump is the most talented politician uh, since Bill since the original Bill Clinton, since he came on and Bill Clinton before Bill Clinton was Ronald Reagan. He's a naturally talented politician who understands how to dominate the news cycle. He understands how to get his message out. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, he makes mistakes. Everybody does. Uh, but he's very, very good. And he doesn't fall into the traps that people expect. We keep hearing about, you know, he's going to he's gonna put amnesty, you know, the giant conservative pan. Trump's going to push amnesty, which is, you know, making illegal aliens essentially citizens. And it's yeah. we're always on the verge of it. And yet he never does that. Never does it. I think he... And the other thing to understand is he has got to win this election or it is quite possible he and many members of his family will be prosecuted and will be put in prison. They do. If they win this election, I do not think that they intend to allow the possibility of the establishment losing another election. Now, of course, if you know anything about history, that that doesn't work out so good. But I think they're but, but they don't know anything about history and they think they can stop the clock, you know, they're playing duck, duck, goose. And they happen to be sitting in the, you know, or, or musical chairs and they happen to be sitting. Uh, that ain't going to happen. Uh, but he has he, he for, for his own personal safety and the safety of his family and those associated with it, he better win because they want to come after him. And I think he knows that. And I think he is not going to just sit back and go and, you know, kind of. Uh, what do I do? What do I do? That's not his style. He's also the most competitive man who's ever been president. He is yes. unbelievably competitive. So I, 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 very I like his odds. Yeah, I, I, I like his odds. And I think we got time. And I think the forces are uh, in his uh, direction. That being said, we've got to work hard and we could lose. And we should fight like uh, we're fighting uh, the best possible enemy rather than a decrepit old weirdo. Yes. Well, just, just getting back to something you said earlier on about how the whole of the George Floyd thing, it was all planned. I mean, it's been planned. Tell me a bit more about, about that. Um, you know, we had the Occupy Wall Street thing, and I think that was the yeah. first of these. And that kind of went away when it became inconvenient. Remember, the, the, the Saul Alinsky rules include, um, uh, for radicals, include uh, after a while, everything becomes a drag. So you should change. It became a drag. It became inconvenient for the, uh, uh, the left. So they stopped it. But they learned. They, they learned a lot from that. And they were ready when something came that would allow them to mobilize. And it just happened to be George Floyd. It could have been something else the next week. But they were ready and they were prepared. They had their logistics set up. All they were waiting for was something to happen on video. That's kind of a classic thing. Cops doing violence on video. Um, yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, I, 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 it was much bigger than anyone expected. It was uh, effective for a while, but I think it is becoming a drag. I think people are getting sick of it, uh, and there are a lot of people out there very, very angry. Now, a lot won't say it because they don't need the hassle. You know, what? You don't care about black lives? No, I don't care about Black Lives Matters, the Communist Front organization. 
Um, yeah. But brilliant, by the way, brilliant name for an organization. Because any any name that forces you to explain when you when you criticize it is you know you're that, that's that's a small information victory. Um, but uh, no, I, I I think they were prepared uh, and funded. I'd like to see where the money came from, because you know people people don't appear in fifteen different cities spontaneously for free with stuff. Somebody, somebody's writing a check. And it's not like these sons of bitches have jobs. Yeah. Do you not think, I think it was Tucker in one of his monologues who said that anything that happens in an election year is always about the election year, nothing else. I'm thinking yes. we've, had, we've had the Black Lives Matter thing, which is obviously the communists. They're, oh, they're fascists. What's the difference? They're, they're, yeah. they're, they want to destroy Western civilization. But at the same time, I think that this this lockdown, this whole overreaction to the pandemic, probably wouldn't have happened if this hadn't been a Trump election year. Do you think there's anything absolutely, any truth in that? absolutely, I, absolutely true? There were a lot of people eager for it, uh, and uh, and the political class they thought if we can destroy this great economy because we're at like four percent unemployment, if we can destroy that. That's a huge thing that we take off the table for Trump. Yeah. And they understood that there were a lot of people. Uh, again, the frivolous upper middle class who actually would find this exciting. Many of them could work from home. Hell, I work from home a lot. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and they're doing okay. You know, it's the guy like Lou down at the bar who, you know, he, his job's in danger. But if you're, you know, uh, uh, a marketing consultant for Megacorp, uh, you know, you can probably do that from your house. You can probably do that from your house just fine. And now you get to stay at your house. So they, they found something that people kind of wanted to do anyway. Uh, I think they are going to, I, I, I think one of the effects is going to be changing the nature of work uh, in the United States because people have found out that with technology and everything, they don't really need an office. I would not like to be in commercial real estate right now. That would not be, uh, I would get out of that investment. I would short it hard. Um, this is what we're saying here as well. That, that London commercial commercial property is is toast because people oh, rather don't need to go to the the city of London. I went there yesterday to get a um a, a COVID test antibody test. Empty city of London, the powerhouse of the British yeah. economy. I think it's about fifteen percent of the economy. I think is yeah. the city. The financial sector is doing nothing. Well, I mean, maybe they're working from home, but... No. Oh, they're, no, oh, oh, they're still moving money around, but they're doing it at the house. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we, we've rediscovered that, and that's... Uh, I, I, what, what, the, what the effects of that are going to be, it's going to be very interesting to see. Uh, I, I have think it'll you be... Had the same, have you had the same pussy reaction that we... I mean... I mentioned the bedwetting, the COVID bedwetters over here. We are, we are talking, not a minority, we are talking the majority of the population has been so scared by government propaganda that this is a special disease that's going to get you, irrespective of your age or your, or your, your, your colour or whatever. Um, they believe this shit and they want the lockdown to continue. Have you had that in America or has it been... Are people I, more I think... I think it exists uh, among uh, the the upper middle class. I think is uh, uh, especially kind of frivolous women. Um, 
is, uh, uh, I, I think, buying into it. I think the rest of people, again, most of them are like, well, I'm not going to do something full. Okay, there's a disease out there. I don't want to catch it. I don't want to give it to grandma. But I'm not going to, I don't see why I should, you know, wear a freaking mask when I'm going for a walk. You see people doing it. I remember when it started, there were guys wearing masks driving. Like, what are you doing? We still you know? those. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I mean, you know, I'm in California. They closed the bars again. They closed inside restaurants. Um, they closed the beaches in California, didn't they? Yeah, it's just, it's just, they closed the beaches. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mile from the beach. And they've closed in. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Because because, you know, what's a you know, it's a real uh, uh, hotbed, a real Petri dish of pathogens. It's hot sand. That's the environment they're lo it's looking for to grow you. Uh, but but, you know, if, if we all carried a sign out there saying I protest civilization. All right. Well, then then there's your moral duty. It's just it's just such crap. People see it. And I think they're getting angry. Americans are stubborn and. Uh, Stubborn people. They, they, they tend to obey, be law abiding because it, at some level they believe that they have their say in the law. But they get annoyed. And then when they get annoyed, they get militant, as July 4th teaches. Um, one interesting thing is how many people who didn't previously own guns have come to me and said, hey, I'm buying a gun. And, you know, a lot of us have guns. I got a lot of guns. Uh, but everybody's getting armed now. Which I think is great. I think every American should have a real assault weapon. I mean, the same kind of soldier carries uh, uh, in their hat and be trained with it. If you're healthy and law-abiding, uh, should have one. Of you have because, no uh, idea. Kurt, I, I'm so envious. My, my, my son um, went on his, on his gap year before you know, between school and university, went to America. And he stayed with all my American friends from, from Facebook, who all happened to be sort of conservative Trump voters. And so he spent his time going from place to place, firing all manner of, <laughs> of, of weaponry. It was just, it was just well, great. I, you know, I'm, I, I'm very much of the uh, uh, Greek hoplite model. You know, every city state, you know, you, 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 know, you, you farm, you till the soil of Attica. And you also buy yourself your armor and weapons. And then when it comes, you take your place in the phalanx. Um, that is, you know, that I, I, I feel that, you know, that the Minutemen of, uh, of uh, uh, 1775 conquered and, uh, um, uh, conquered. Uh, you know, I, if, the American, if the American population is armed, it's really hard to tyrannize you. That becomes a huge deterrent thing. And in fact, we've been armed for 244 years. And, you know, except for a revolution, uh, individuals haven't really had to use it for the anti-tyranny purpose other than mere deterrence. Uh, our civil war was fought by uh, actual military units. It wasn't individuals, yeah. uh, except maybe, I guess, out in some of the frontier areas. Uh, but... Mm. Uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm a huge advocate of it. I think it also makes people take seriously their role as citizens. You know, if, if you've got a, you know, uh, an M16 sitting in your closet, you know, that's a reminder that, you know, it's more than just voting, more than just doing jury duty, more than just writing a check to the uh, IRS at tax season. You, you know, this is, this is, you, you have a duty as a citizen. I'm a big believer in that. I so want an M16 in my closet. I really do. Oh. And, and, oh, oh you, I mean, now you're talking. But no, 
Um, I want you back on the show. You've been absolutely brilliant. Um, well, I, I, I feel I've had it's no, I feel like, you know, I've been given this big box of chocolates and I, I there's so many I could, you know, the, the raspberry flavor, the kind of yeah. the war flavor. We didn't we didn't have enough war flavor because well, I, I am, I I am filled with rich, uh, creamy nougat, which uh, a lot of people don't know, but it really confounds. Yeah, well, we could, we could do that as well. I just wanted to before we go. I noticed that you are in California. You're, you're sitting, I, you're recording outdoors, and that's that, yep. you've got a great climate. I see that. But I mean, for fuck's sake, you live in a communist state. How long? I, how much longer is 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 are you going to be able to bear living in California? How how much I, longer I, I has get that, that state got? I get I get that a lot. Uh, there are a couple things. First of all, I, I realize that there's no bottom to these Marxists. They're not going to change. Eventually, Californians will have to toss them out when we just get sick enough of them. Um, I don't like the idea of retreating. I don't want to go anywhere. I have family here. I have my business here. Also, keep in mind, I'm a trial lawyer in California. This is, I am one of the people. This state was designed, you know, it, 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 this is a, a feudal land, and I'm one of the barons. Okay, I was designed to enrich and empower people like me. I just happen to, you know, <laughs> adhere to a, a heretical sect. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm a local, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's just um, so I, I, I do very well within this environment simply because I have one of the favored professions. So I don't have any need to go out. Uh, I. I and I don't have any particular inclination to. I may at some point. We'll see what happens. But uh, you know, they didn't teach at Fort Benning. They didn't teach me how to retreat. So, but I, I, I noticed, for example, that I think property prices in San Francisco are crashing, aren't they? People. I, I, so. I remember growing up. I wanted to live in San Francisco when I saw uh, Bullet. You know, I thought, yeah, <laughs> car chases and up and down and, 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 and culture and, you know, the birds, you know, just up, up the coast and yeah. all these lovely places. Northern I, California I, I, is great. I grew up in San Mateo, which is about uh, 20 miles south of San Francisco, um, right, uh, right off of uh, off 280. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I never liked San Francisco. I always thought it was full of communist dirtbags, even as a kid. Uh, oh, but a lot yeah. of people, a lot of people just loved it up there. I have friends who just adore it. And the, you know, the, 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 the nightmare that they're putting up with that, it's just stunning to me. Also, it's really cold and foggy most of the time. So uh, I can't, I can't, uh, uh, but yeah, I'm glad you mentioned bullet. Wow. What a, what a great movie. Well, yeah. You, well, you know, we, we are roughly the same age. That's why we, 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 we've got the same cultural references. Well, my, my first car was a Mustang, but it wasn't a 67 um, or 66, I think, fastback. Uh, but uh, it's uh, it, here. I know this is kind of off point. Uh, one of my things that, you know, I, I believe the institutions are crashing Hollywood. One of them. Who's our Steve McQueen? Who's our Lee Marvin right now? Who yes. has that kind of seriousness? These are guys who were, were in World War II. Uh, uh, Marvin got shot in, in the ass in Okinawa. I think uh, McQueen was, I think he was on a ship or something. But these are serious guys who had serious lives. And they were, I mean, and they didn't look like pretty boys. And they were tough. And they, and they had this amazing aura. Who are our movie stars like Steve McQueen or Lee Marvin today? 
And I, 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 I think that's one of the reasons the industry's dying. We're the same. We've got Michael Caine. I mean, Michael Caine, as you yes. say, he's seen the elephant. Yeah, he was out on patrol. Have you read that chapter in his book when he's out on patrol no. and they are surrounded by? Oh yeah, they they get surrounded by Chinese, and they realise the only way they're going to get out of it is to kind of exfiltrate somehow this 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 perimeter where the Chinese are. I mean, imagine what a, what an experience that must have been. Him and his Enfield rifle. Uh, exactly. And, 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 but he's so quintessentially British that, you know, you could talk to him for months and not know about that. because He wouldn't he, talk about it. Uh, but, you know, today, you know, so many people would expect him to, oh, tell me about your PTSD. You know, it's like, and, <laughs> yes, I, and, I'm not, and I'm not saying PTSD doesn't exist, but that's not yeah. the sum of a soldier or a veteran. That's, that's, yeah, it's not about your problem. It's about your, your courage. And your service, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think he's one of the. I, I think he's frankly one of the last serious uh, movie stars. Um, yeah. Just, just a neat, neat guy, from what I know. Well, Kurt, thank you very much for feeding my menagerie. Um, <laughs> I think that you've given. No, you, you, you are a huge chunk of red meat, and that's really good. And you're also a very intelligent chunk of red meat, which is even better. Oh, no one's and, ever said that before. Oh. <laughs> uh, Kurt will be back, definitely be back on this podcast. Um, and I just like to remind people who've enjoyed this, as of course you have, don't forget to support me on Patreon or Subscribestar because after all, the system is trying to counsel people like me and Kurt. I mean, it's, it's getting hard, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And buy my book, There's, My One Biggest Lies About yes, Trump and mention you. it. Yeah, the marketing say people will kill me if I don't. No, say it again. Say it again. Remind uh, it more clearly 21 this time. Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You. And, and here's the thing. It's, yeah, I talk about life, but I talk about how the establishment uses deception to try and manipulate you into going against your own interests. It's, it, it, it is funny. It's amusing. There's a serious undercurrent to it. I, I think people enjoy it. It's funny because it's true. It's funny because it's right? true. It just needs All a right. K sound. Thank you, Kurt. Right. Thank you. Thanks, Kurt. Bye-bye.